0: welcome back to return to oz minute where the podcast that analyzes the 1985 disney film return to oz one snack time minute at a time i'm tierney Steele,
1: and i'm mike carlucci and back for another day we've got from the minute of darkness from the cosmic geppetto podcast brad mendenhall
2: hey guys how you doing i'm so happy to be back
0: Welcome back
1: great to have you
0: We're so glad you returned um this is minute 75 which starts with Jack finishing waving goodbye to the gump as he says good luck Mr. Gump and it ends with a loud crash and lightning flash um and in between it's snack time so I hope you've all pulled up a snack got something tasty um before we eat our snacks the gump's annoyed muttering as he walks through the doorway is... Very on brand for his character, as we've been talking about this week.
2: It's just something so fun where it—it it, it was good character design. Where everything about the Gump looks Gumpish. He he walks the <laughs> way he should. He talks. He has the right voice because it, it's really sort of just an uncomfortable amble that he does when he walks, and it couldn't—it couldn't be any more perfect for that character. And you know, it's, uh, the Gump is a really well realized and well designed character. And uh, this minute sort of made me look more at the, the, the Jack Pumpkinhead character. And I don't feel that he works as well. And I, I, I imagine you guys might have had some conversation about that. What, what has been the feeling on the quality of the performance uh, or design of, uh, of Jack?
0: I think Jack is more limited. I mean, I'm impressed by anything that is basically a full scale puppet. But because of his jack-o'-lantern head, you're not getting the same reactions. You're not able to express quite as much. And he's just, he's a different character. He's very sweet. He's much more, you know, oh, I just want to help everyone. And I feel like the gump speaks more to my cynical soul than Jack ever did.
2: No, and Jack's definitely supposed to be the, uh, the, the scarecrow stand-in. Yes. But, um... But there's no expressiveness with the face, and mm-hmm. you can get away with that if you have better hand motion. But the hands don't move very well either, so there's no real way for him to express anything aside from vocal performance, which you know the the, the voice actor does his best and
0: it
2: yeah does have a sweet voice, but it's not a you know stuff. Even um, TikTok has the mustache that moves when he talks, yep. and which gives him some facial. It's something to connect to facially and Jack doesn't have any of that to the point where, because it's a uh, ADR, some of the dialogue you took first time watching this is like, uh, okay, who, who's talking? Because I guess it's Jack. Cause he's the only other character on screen, but it, 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 it doesn't really connect the voice and the, the character don't connect uh, real
1: well.
0: Yeah. He, Um, I feel like it worked better. It's going to sound weird, but when he had more to do, When he was sneaking around the palace with Dorothy, when he was building the Gump, I don't know, maybe because that was more hectic in general, that, you know, he's, he's good at being very sweet and looking after Dorothy, and he's good at being nervous. Which makes sense when you think about his history. But you're right, you're not getting that same expressiveness. Like, it's just very... Because, again, his face only has the one face. It doesn't, I guess I was trying to see in this minute if it's his head slightly moves. Like it sometimes looks like the smile widens and closes a little bit, but even that is barely, I might be imagining it. Um, I don't know how Mike feels about it. It's hard when you grow up with him where it's just like, yeah, of course, that's Jack.
1: (laughs) I think uh, kind of minute by minute, you do see the weaknesses of Jack, Jack's. Limited design, uh, and it it really makes you think think back. It was to me back to uh, back to C three Po, because he only has the one face. I I kind of agree with you. Sometimes I do think there are two different heads. That one has a slightly bigger smile, but that might just be, like in our in our brains. <laughs> but it, like three Po is always he's raising his hands. He's turning left and right. Like he's mm-hmm. making. 3 is is always in motion when he's d- doing these things, even if it's one still, you know, like he, he can't wave his arms really. <laughs> he, he, you know, he's very, still very limited, but he, he has, he throws, he throws himself into it where Jack sometimes is just, he's just, he's just Jack.
2: Well, it, it doesn't help having him sit there because it's because of the size of the character. and it, He actually probably show he shows up better when he sort of has the full screen to, to, to have more motion, but when he's mm-hmm. sitting there and he's sort of, sort of compressed together and he's trying to lean in and he can't have any motion with his hands. You're right. C-3PO always was moving his hands and would have sort of the big body movements to sort of convey that emotion, and you're able to get a lot more out of it. So, I, it's the scene is sort of the scene where it has to have the tension of well, why don't we have some? Well, why don't we have refreshments? And it's. Mm-hmm sort of designed as a creepy scene and it helps to be in the scene itself works better claustrophobic but doesn't do that one particular character any favors
0: yes that's an excellent point um so we are enjoying our snacks now um regardless of what you think i as a little kid absolutely loved this scene and now as an adult i don't understand why because why would you ever trust anything that a clearly evil rock king gave you? Especially if it is literally in a rolling boil. Maybe don't drink that. Um, I do appreciate, however, the uh, formation of the rock cup. I, speaking of Star Wars, had to make a little "that's a good trick" note in my uh, in my notes for today. Um, the way it just forms out of his hand is impressive, and then. Dorothy says it's good, which I don't understand because everything she's being fed should kill her.
1: <laughs> and it's uh, another exchange that's actually not in the not in the script. What? So, uh, Jack says how is it and Dorothy says good. It doesn't include the what is it and having the Gnome King chime in with the Yeah, you're right, should kill her. Limestone pie maybe maybe you can eat rocks and that might not not finish you off but hot melted silver
0: although i don't think dorothy drinks she has the cup in her hand he says it's hot melted silver he's enjoying it greatly and she puts that cup back down so at least she has some self-preservation instincts
2: yeah because hot melted silver that basically sounds like an edgar Allan poe story That ends up being an ironic, you know, end for some character who's too greedy.
0: Yeah. I think they just really wanted to work Silver in somehow, since they weren't, since they decided to go Ruby Slippers instead of Silver Slippers. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. I also had the uh, horrible debate with myself when I was watching this of, are, are they having Dorothy first because they can't eat, or because they're waiting to see if she like heels over uh, you know t- real
2: quick Tierney, before we move on too forward I, 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 and i want to know if this has been addressed before where you talk about the the ruby slippers instead of the silver slippers mm-hmm. now it, return to us this was a, a a disney production yes but the original um wizard of oz was not disney that was a uh, mgm mgm yeah. <clears throat> My understanding is MGM switched the slippers from silver to ruby. So they actually own the right and the legality of this is sort of crazy where they they own the rights to ruby slippers. Yep. And they have prevented subsequent studios from using ruby slippers uh, in other pr- productions and movies and stuff where they actually tr- tr- sort of avoid it. And I don't know if that's a recent yep. thing or you
0: know Oh it, no, that goes back. Um so yeah, MGM decided that Ruby would show off their amazing color technology better than the silver would. Um, it just, it just filmed better. And uh, most places, most Oz stories decide to go silver slippers. They're the originals from the books. They are also in the public domain because they're originals to the books, whereas the Ruby slippers are not. They are IP of MGM. Disney paid them a hefty chunk of change, the number of which I have not been able to find anywhere, to be able to use the ruby slippers in this movie because they wanted it to be a sequel. Um, They did not pay for anything else. When we see the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and stuff like that, that's all the original illustrations, all the original ideas, the story of how the Tin Man became the Tin Man, all that is from the books. But they did shell out. To use ruby slippers,
2: that is just crazy, yeah, and and I know uh, these companies get a lot of heat for you know, being um, you know, stingy with not not letting people use other ideas. But you know, when 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 you are Disney, when you are GM, all you really have is your ideas sometimes, and you know you need to protect your 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 ip you need to protect your content and you know not just the stuff that you actually own the actual film but you need to protect the idea so you can't just have people willy-nilly using mickey mouse or ruby slippers or whatever mm-hmm. because that's once you lose that you sort of lose everything and i get it of course then mm. to show up i say that as someone who you know runs a podcast where sometimes we're a little <laughs> shady with the, the the rights of the music we use so perhaps i should I don't shut know. up
0: what you talking about <laughs> I s- I sing all the time, um, yeah. It's it's interesting that because they do build this as a sequel to the beloved family classic, Return the Wizard of Oz, and that's strange to me because it's so clearly its own thing. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I've I've already complained on that and talked about the trailer and the marketing and all that stuff. But yeah, they did. They did. A somewhere there is a lawyer who knows how that went down, and I would be. Fascinated to see that contract, but um, not enough to go digging on Lexus. <laughs> uh, I absolutely love the way the Gnome King hugs his mug. Like, it's a cold morning, he's got some hot coffee to enjoy.
1: <laughs>
2: well, they do that so well with the Gnome King, where he, he does... He has a soothing voice, and the way he holds his coffee mug sort of looks like your dad on a cold morning, you know, sitting on the front porch. There's, like, warm, likable things about the character, and then there's, like, creepy, weird stuff about the character, too. And the, the mixing together of those two aspects is uh, very effective.
0: That is a perfect transition, because I'm not even sure how to talk about him. The actor who voices the gnome king essentially plays the gnome king i mean we've talked about the people who are involved in the behind the scenes of special effects um is i'm gonna keep saying it nickel n-i-c-o-l williamson he uh did pass away in 2011 and i i'm not gonna be able to do it justice look him up on imdb it starts with the story all right star oh god his biography starts with a sentence Nicol Williamson was an enormously talented actor who was considered by some critics to be the finest actor of his generation in the late 1960s and the 1970s, rivaled only by Albert Finney, whom Williamson bested in the classics. It's a very long biography. It includes sentence like, uh... His inability to maintain a consistent film career most likely is a result of his own well-noted eccentricities than it is from any deficiency in acting skills. He gets into it with Brando. He gets into it with, I can never pronounce his name, G-I-E-G-L-U-N-D. He would break character on Broadway and berate his fellow actors. He whacked someone with a sword after the actor messed up the choreography. Um, He punched someone during the final curtain call on stage. He stopped the play and yelled at someone in the audience. I mean, this is... And then, then you go to his trivia, and that is a whole other... World of, I mean, trivia. Uh, Roman Polanski features in here. So does Branna. I mean, this is... Was Prime Minister Harold Wilson's favorite Hamlet? Wilson praised his performance to President Richard Nixon. And Nixon invited Williamson to stage a one-man show at the White House. He had an affair with Helen Mirren. They never worked together again peacefully. Uh, Oh my smoked 80 cigarettes a day. I mean, it just keeps going. There is so much to say. I don't even know like what to tell you guys. This guy is amazing. Oh, he recorded an album of country songs. I mean, like I just what do you even say about him?
2: What what's what's interesting is it's a guy he, he, that he sounds like he Old school crazy, and Brando had that as well. And you mentioned Brando, and you know, and just imagine being able to, you know, compete with Brando in a crazy contest. (laughs) Oh my god! Because Brando is a guy who, one of his last movies, he wouldn't he would film his scenes without pants on to force the director not to do wide shots of him.
0: Hey, whatever works
2: now. <laughs> you know, and, oh you know, God. or Brando, when he did a, The Island of Dr. Moreau, you know, basically mm-hmm. found like a trash bucket and decided he wanted to wear it as a hat in his scenes. It's like, well, I guess we got to give him that hat. And, you know, the actors used to be, and, and I guess it was the sort of the byproduct of the studio system where people would be signed with con- to contracts with studios. And if you're really talented and you got in with the studio, you would have a contract and they would – and if you were successful and had the contract, they they had yeah. to use you, so you could be a lot crazier. Now, now actors are sort of free agents, so if you are that mm-hmm. crazy, and plenty of the actors are that are crazy, I'm sure, but you gotta hide it a lot better. And you know, they, they, every actor has a PR agent whose job is to like you know hide the crazy on their uh, on their clients.
1: Yeah,
0: well, and also the people were naming with the crazy, as you said. And have the talent to back it up. Because if you didn't have the talent to back it up, the studio would just cut you loose and say, Psh, enjoy the gutter. But these are people who, I mean, you look at their acting credits on the stage, and even, you know, they're saying, oh, he didn't have much of a film career. He was some pretty good ones. But, um, yeah, if, if you bring that talent to it, when the camera's rolling, you can get away with more, apparently. But, yeah, I usually try and do a quick little, like, oh, that's what this person was like, and this is their career. And I opened that up and was just like, I have no idea how I'm going to summarize this for the podcast. Um, I would be curious to track down some of the uh, tapings of stage performances, if they exist, because it seems like that's really where he thrived. But now we've been saying all along, multiple of us, you, me, many other guests, that he has the perfect voice for, like, oh, it's a soothing, low, soft voice, except it's super creepy. And now it's like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Sounds about right.
2: <laughs> well, what's also funny is uh, looking at his IMDb page, and uh, the, his final film was a uh, supporting role in the 1997 lousy comic book film spawn and it was, that's a, it was a very it was a pretty bad movie when it came out and you then give an extra 20 years to it now it's a terrible movie and i always feel so bad for really really good actors who end their careers on terrible films mm. and uh you know as i said uh yesterday one of the next uh, projects from uh, geppetto studios will be working on the uh animated transformers film which was the final uh, film role of Orson Welles. So it's like, hey, you get to be this. He was a star and director of the greatest movie of all time.
0: Maybe I did know that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, a little different.
2: And to finish on that legendary career was like, okay, now you're going to play the talking planet that eats other planets. Sorry, Orson. You should have invested your money better.
0: To be fair, I feel like Citizen Kane would have been okay with that portrayal, that character. (laughs) Um, No, my my thing that I've always defended to the last is uh, Cary Grant's last film role is Walk, Don't Run. And people say, oh, it's so terrible. He ended on such a bad note. He was Cary Grant. The whole point of Walk, Don't Run is that he's passing on the mantle of the leading man to the next generation. So it's like, if you think of it that way, it's kind of brilliant that that's his last film role. But that's just me just throwing it out there. I don't know how many other people have strong opinions on Cary Grant's career. Um, but Love, Grant. I
2: Love Cary Grant. and uh, But he had a weirdly inconsistent career and he also had a weird aloofness with his career. Mm. Uh, because he he was one of those actors who, re- <laughs> yeah, he, he was one of those weird. Uh, I read a book, a uh, very very good book on, on his career and just the weird internal struggles internal struggles that he went through uh, during his lifetime. And uh, you know he he's one of these actors who retired and then sort of just faded into the background for the you know, it's sort of what Gene Hackman's done, where Gene Hackman hasn't done a movie in ten plus years. It was. Uh, Welcome to Mooseport, and he hasn't acted since then, and that was a while ago. And he God, still... That
0: does not feel that long ago, though.
2: It, it Sorry. doesn't No, it doesn't, but the reason it doesn't feel that long is because there's still so many Gene Hackman movies out there, so you can see him all the time, and because he's not still really active or really out there, you don't see him to see, oh, he looks he looks 10, 15 years older. No, you don't see him, so he's sort of just preserved in whatever movie you see him in. hmm as opposed to was it Sean Connery? Is another actor who's retired, um, but you see him every now and then. He shows up at Wimbledon, and now he, you know, he looks like a a distinguished gentleman in his eighties and nineties who isn't in the <laughs> best of health. So he he doesn't look like James Bond anymore, and you realize like, oh my gosh, it has been ten years since uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen destroyed his will to act.
0: Ah, oh, I just got sad thinking about how had but good but promise unfulfilled and yeah um, speaking of movies with a great cast
2: <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. They, that could have been a good that could have been a very good movie it could have been the first of several very good movies and they still like to bat around that concept there was even talk of a a, a weekly tv show version of that and then there was also talk of a all women version of it so they're still toying around with the property which is interesting yeah. because the the guy who created that property, Alan Moore, who's a legend in uh, legendary comic book writer, mm-hmm. um, he despises that they made that movie and is very very angry about it. And uh, if he, he, any interview where they ask him about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, it's great because it just sets him off, which is uh, always fun from Alan Moore. He, he's a <laughs> notorious crank. So much so that he actually voiced himself yelling at Bart Simpson on the episode of The Simpsons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, it, it just... Alright. I can transition us back to this minute. Wait for it. Okay. Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen. Steampunk. Steampunk. TikTok. TikTok has a warranty tattooed on his body but didn't find out beforehand what the terms of this game were? <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was a jarring, it's a jarring transition where, and it sort of seems apropos of nothing, it's like, hey, what was the, what were we risking in the game? And then all of a sudden there's, and it's hard to figure out what happens, it's like there's just light and thunder sound, it's like, is that lightning happening? What's going on here? It, it, It is a bit of a jarring transition at the end of the minute.
0: Oh man, well we get the rumble of thunder. As kind of a like, gee, I wonder what that was. And then, as they're discussing this, you get the actual like lightning crash, and it's pr- at the perfect end of the minute. It's a great cliffhanger to make everyone come back tomorrow. It scared the bejesus out of me. I jumped so bad because, of course, I'm watching this on my laptop. I've got on my headphones. It's turned up real loud, and oh, I was not expecting that.
2: <laughs> it is it is jarring. It's out of nowhere. Um, eh, you know, and. It- That's all right. They got to move move this along somehow, I guess.
0: All right. Well, speaking of moving along, unless either of you have other notes on this minute. I'm good.
1: uh, I do not.
0: Okay. I just want to make sure we aren't skipping anything as Brad and I go off on tangents, (laughs) as we are wont to do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, if you come back tomorrow, you'll hear more from all three of us on this air quotes game that they're playing and maybe find out what the heck just happened at the end of this minute until then weog teog
2: i lost my note with uh, the word i was like i can't jump in i'm gonna say the wrong thing i'm gonna say like friog or or prius or something